This is The Guardian. Today, she's plastic, she's fantastic, but can she ever be a feminist icon? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Rollerblade Barbie. I skate, you skate. We both got clothes that look great. I still think a lot about the first Barbie I owned because... She was so cool. This was in the early 90s when rollerblading was the thing. And this Barbie had skates that when you ran them along the ground actually made sparks. Rollerblade Barbie doll comes with a pair of rollerblade skates that really flicker and flash. Dolls each sold separately. I remember how playing with this doll made me feel. She looked so carefree and glamorous in her yellow pedal pushers, whizzing along the carpet, her hair billowing in what I imagined to be the breeze blowing over Malibu Beach. And for decades before and since then, Barbie has figured in the lives of children across the world in a similar way as a fantasy vision of womanhood, and who those children might aspire to become. We girls love having lots of clothes. Right, Barbie? Right, hot stuff skipper. Hot pink leotard. She'd be the most beautiful bride in the world. Wedding fantasy Barbie. We're into Barbie. Wedding fantasy Barbie doll comes with everything here. Sweet Rose's furniture sold separately. You put it together. The fantasy that Barbie sells has been overwhelmingly white, thin and able-bodied. One popular critique of the doll is that if she were a real person, she wouldn't be able to stand up. That's how extreme her proportions are. And though she's had hundreds of careers, she's travelled to space, she's run for US president seven times, her critics say the only real aspiration she sets for girls is to smile, look sexy and shop. Hey, Barbie. The Barbie movie, which is out today, seeks to recast Barbie as an emancipated woman who actually reaches her potential, albeit while still wearing dream outfits. It's directed by Greta Gerwig, whose previous movies include Lady Bird and Little Women, films which centre bold, whip-smart female characters. And Mattel, Barbie's makers, will of course be hoping that she can bring that credibility to their brand after years of lost sales. And it looks like that's going to pay off. Barbie's on track to be the blockbuster of the summer. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, 
why we're all living in Barbie land. Catherine Shord, you're the film editor of The Guardian, and so you've had the chance to see the Barbie movie before most of us. Pretty much everyone I know, adults and children, are talking about this film. The excitement about the trailers and those photos from the set of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, the stars, recreating some of Barbie and Ken's most iconic looks. There is just so much excitement about this film. Why has it become such a big deal? I think it's intriguing. I think people don't know really what it is. There's confusion. There's healthy confusion about whether it's a satire or a straight comedy. It also just looks fun and it looks like something different in a landscape that so far has been dominated by sort of quite serious macho superhero action films. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. Old coaches like Indiana Jones or Tom Cruise jumping off stuff. This looks a bit different. The pink antithesis. <laughs> That's and, um, right. Let's the remember anti. that Barbie pink is a is a trademark of Mattel. It is. It is. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. Even if you haven't watched the trailers, you'll have noticed that there are dozens of product tie-ins. There are suitcases, shoe ranges, pool inflatables. There's these specific Barbie lunchboxes, Barbie Xbox consoles. It's just, if, if it's pink and it says Barbie, people want it, including me. Barbie spatula, sure. Even London buses have been Barbie branded. It's inescapable at the moment. I mean, it's the biggest boost to the Barbie brand you could ever possibly imagine. It is essentially a two-hour advert that's incredibly clever at sort of pretending it's not an advert. It will work, I'm sure, because that's just how that's how commerce works nowadays. So Mattel has over 100 licensing partners selling Barbie merchandise, and much of it isn't for kids at all, from clothing at The Gap to sold-out pink plastic heels. Well, unlike, Barbie- say, the Marvel Universe, which is dominated the blockbuster industry in in the past few years you know you think about spider-man batman which is obviously dc but those kind of big superheroes have backstories that have been written barbie doesn't have a clear backstory so i suppose that's part of the confusion right what is the plot of this film (laughs) well what happens in the film is a sort of classic fish out of water thing so Barbie is living in Barbie land. Margot Robbie plays stereotypical Barbie. And there's all different types of Barbie. You know, there's sort of President Barbie and Nobel Prize winning Barbie. And they're running the world. And the Kens, of which there are scores, are very subservient and are very sort of uh, eye candy and, and pathetic. Anyway, then Barbie starts having thoughts of death and confusing existential thoughts. You guys ever think about dying? She has to go and see Weird Barbie, who's played by Kate McKinnon. And uh, and Weird Barbie is a Barbie that's been played with too hard. So she's all she's got sort of felt tip on her face and her hair's all weird. And she's always doing the splits. And she's sort of broken. Come into my weird house. Hi, I'm Weird Barbie. I am in the splits. I have a funky haircut and I smell like basement. Oh, my God. I had a weird... 
weird Barbie. Yeah, you did. And then she says you have to go to the real world and fix this rip in the time continuum. But she says that's okay because in the real world we know that what Barbie has taught young girls is that you can do anything. And so feminists have won in the real world and it's all fine. So she goes there and as you can imagine, hilarity ensues and she finds also that, of course, the world uh, is still run by men. The director, Greta Gerwig, has spoken in interviews about how exacting she's been with the look of the film, the specific shades of pink that she's used. I can't even tell you the meetings we've had about pink. We like sat with all these different kinds of pinks and we were like, what is the pink and how do the pinks interact? Because I didn't want it to be so classy that it didn't... Like, when I was a little girl, I liked the pinkest, brightest things. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, it looks fantastic. Welcome to Barbie's dream house. Come on in. You know, it is refreshing to see a film that's this perky, that, you know, the production design is this fun. There is no water in Barbie land. There's no water or fire. There are no elements. Even though it's fake, it's really beautiful, which is kind of like everything in Barbie land. You know, everybody knows the story, how they ran out of that particular shade of pink paint. So this is crazy. It turns out that they used so much fluorescent pink paint when they created this whole Barbie land that it caused a worldwide shortage. That's not what? It looks a treat. It looks a real, real treat. And it's gorgeous and ambitious and fun. How much of a fan of Barbie would you say you were going into this screening? And how much of a fan would you say you are now? About the same, which is probably about 0.2. I mean, I'm not a sort of, (laughs) not a Barbie girl myself. I don't recall owning any Barbies. I think I had a very third-hand Cindy that lost her head at some point. I mean, tell us why. Like, what image would you have had of Barbie as a child? Just that she was sort of pneumatically packed. And I think as a sort of tomboyish eight-year-old, I had no relationship to that other than being slightly frightened. So we're standing in the Young V&A in Bethnal Green. This space is absolutely cavernous. You can see that it was a Victorian workhouse and it's just reopened at the start of this month after a £13 million refit. The V&A has created these amazing spaces to display more than 2,000 pieces of design, art and toys. And I'm with one of the curators, Christian Volsing, who's going to show us where their collection of iconic dolls is. Can you lead the way? Uh, sure, yeah, of course. Let's uh, go up the staircase here to into the Imagine Gallery. Okay, so tell me, how many Barbie dolls do you have in the collection at the V&A? We certainly have a very large collection, probably in the hundreds, I would say. Yeah, it's probably probably one of the largest collections in the country. Tell me about your relationship, Christian, with Barbie. Did you have any Barbie dolls when you were growing up? Yeah, I have an older sister and she had Barbies. And it was definitely something that I wanted to play with and engage with. But it was kind of not considered the right thing for boys to play with at the time. Do you remember any specific dolls that your sister had? (laughs) I really remember this one that had a kind of big white netting dress of like flocked hearts on it and it came with a little stamp that said I heart you. Here's a little 
stand up for me, Barbie, because you're so beautiful. Here's loving you Barbie doll dressed in velvety red hearts with love notes, stamper, and heart stickers. That does sound super cute. And let's look at the collection that you've got here uh, in this glass cabinet in front of us. You've got one of the original Barbies from 1959, um, and she's here very busty, very curvy, in a little black and white swimming costume. Tell me about her origin story. How did this original Barbie come into being? How would you describe yourself? Gutsy. I always kind of considered myself a fluke because there were no others like me. <laughs> Handler knew what suited her was running a business. Her small company grew to become a giant. Mattel Toys. So that design for that Barbie was inspired by a German doll called Build Lily. And that doll was actually kind of a joke present for adult men, basically. You know, it was kind of a risque doll for adults. And Ruth Handler, who had seen her daughter playing with paper dolls that were adult dolls realized that there was a gap in the market and it was very very quickly a big seller barbie dressed for swim and fun is only three dollars her lovely fashions range from one to five dollars look for barbie wherever dolls are sold barbie beautiful barbie facially she's got these very large sort of cat-like eyes little red lips and I mean, superhuman proportions, hasn't she? Why was it, do you think, that Barbie was a success right from the start? Well, I think there just wasn't anything like her on the market. And actually, uh, that kind of aspirational adulthood for young children was really appealing and it didn't really exist in another form. Have you heard what's happened? Barbie's changed. Barbie's new and different. She's the very same size, but now she comes with a groovy outdoor look. And Barbie's lashes are... Barbie's really been around for 64 years and has been this huge commercial success. But through almost all of her history, she's faced criticism from people who feel that she's sort of perpetuating unrealistic ideals for children. Can you just talk me through what some of those criticisms have been? Well, I mean... For certain, it's an unrealistic body shape. She wouldn't be able to stand up if that was a real person. But I think what she's also shown is that through all the different kinds of careers that she's had, and she's really tried to inspire children and young girls particularly to engage with different ways of being in the world, from being a scientist to uh, being an astronaut to being a fashion designer. One of the major criticisms that still exists today of Barbie is that she is overwhelmingly, you know, white, almost always blonde-haired. Yes, but, you know, over the years there have been attempts to explore different versions of that doll. One of the most important ones for me is on the left here, which is a black Barbie in a red dress. So the first black doll in the Barbie line was actually her best friend called Christy, who was launched in 1969. But the first Barbie doll under the name Barbie that was black was launched in 1978. And that is what we have on display here. The, the packaging for that doll was absolutely amazing, really reflective of the kind of black exploitation films at the time. There's a kind of quote on the front of it that says, she's black, she's beautiful, she's dynamite. 
I think it's really very different from the kind of personality that you got from the original Barbie, which was, you know, she's a fashion model. And would they have used the same moulds for those dolls? So I think one of the things is that uh, through the original versions of Black Barbie, they use the same moulds and, you know, she ends up having the same features as the white Barbie. And I think this is something they've looked at in the 2016 Fashionistas range where they've relaunched the dolls in many different body shapes, sizes, hairstyles, disabilities and much wider range of body types, I guess. So in 2014, for the first time, Barbie was usurped in the doll toy charts. And a couple of years later, Mattel launched this Fashionistas range. Now, a lot of people have seen that as a cynical attempt by Mattel to regain the profits that were lost. Can you, can you just tell me a little bit about their thinking? So I would say it's definitely a response to kind of losing their space at the top of the pile of like doll manufacturing. But whilst you might think it's cynical, I actually think what's happening is it's really broadening uh, the way that people, that, that children can see themselves represented in dolls. And I think that's so important that even if it's to engage more sales, I think it's actually really groundbreaking. Barbie's had so many careers. She owns her own dream house. She's got her own car and she seems to be surrounded by friends. Ken, in contrast, seems to have been cast as, not to be rude, but a dumb hunk. What is his character meant to be? I mean, I guess he's like a blank slate. He is just Barbie's boyfriend and I think that's quite refreshing, really. If you want to play with Ken, he can be just like Barbie can be whoever you want to be, like Ken can as well. Ken has been aimed at girls as well, but he has over the years become somewhat of a gay icon. <laughs> yes, there was a really interesting Ken with a sparkly earring in the 90s. I think he's also wearing like a kind of cut-off denim jacket, which is... Uh, looked very reflective of certain ways of dressing that gay men had at that point too. How into the Barbie core trend have you got? I think anybody who reads The Guardian will have seen quite a few articles about this now. The kind of reclamation of Barbie pink, sparkles, fluffy, frilly dresses. Well, I mean, I'd say I'm all about Kencore, really. OK, but, explain uh, what Kencore <laughs> is to us. I mean, it's basically the same as Barbie, but just... From Ken's point of view, I have actually bought myself very recently a pink suit. So I'm looking forward to wearing that when I go and see the movie in the cinema. <laughs> Coming up, after decades of criticism, can Barbie win over the film critics? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? 
Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Catherine, let's talk about how the Barbie movie actually got to the point of being released because people might remember it being announced in 2009. What's happened since then? Why has it taken so long to get it to the cinemas? Well, it's very thorny, isn't it? I mean, you've got to have Mattel's backing. uh, And yet, if you're going to make a sort of interesting film that's going to appeal to some of the type of women that have been linked to it, like Diablo Cody, Amy Schumer, you're going to have to make it funny and make it irreverent and make it a satire and say something about women uh, that Mattel might not want. So it has been through a lot of iterations, and I think you can sort of sense that in the finished product. It feels like... Earlier drafts have had elements retained that could bear a bit more explanation. And they've lost a few stars along the way, haven't they? Anne Hathaway was meant to be involved at one point, Amy Schumer. Yeah, they have. I mean, Margot Robbie seems like great casting. She's ideal casting and she's obviously very funny and clever and smart and shepherded this through. So I think that's no great loss. But I imagine that the film that Anne Hathaway was in discussions about was a different beast. Mm. And Margot Robbie is executive producing on it as well and she's part of the reason I believe that Greta Gerwig has been brought on as the director. Greta Gerwig has also co-written the movie. The fact that she wanted to be involved in this project which could have been so vapid is significant because she made her name with art house films like Frances Ha, Mistress America, and then she slowly worked her way into the Hollywood mainstream. She directed Little Women, Lady Bird. All her films have a a strong feminist sensibility with strong female leads. How does she bring that to Barbie? I mean, it's front and centre. In a strange way, the film it's most like is Marriage Story. And in that film, you have a very uh, sort of show-stopping moment where Laura Dern's abrasive lawyer gives a speech about how hard it is to be a woman and a mother and you can't do this and you're meant to do this. And at screenings, you know, people would sort of cheer and whoop. There's an incredibly similar moment in Barbie when America Ferrara's character uh, gives a, a long, long speech, almost exactly the same, But the funny thing is, in this film, 
it doesn't hit as hard. It feels a bit weird, but it's 100% about uh, how difficult it is to be a woman, so objectified, modest, a mother, but also a lover, you know, all these sort of things. So it's it's 100% a feminist uh, work. It's not a film for children. It's not a film for uh, a mainstream audience in a funny way. I would urge parents that this is not appropriate for children really? at all. Yeah. If I took the six-year-old classmates of my son who are into Barbie, they would, it would be completely over their head. They would just be incredibly bored. Mm. It's interesting when you listen to interviews with Greta Gerwig, the amount of references that she brings into this film. It really sounds like it is one for the nerds. It sort of is one for the nerds, but it's sort of one for the kind of, um, you know, 80s feminist theory nerds in a way. And I mean, hats off to her for bringing that to a mainstream film. Whether or not it quite works, I'm not sure. Catherine, the cast of the Barbie movie is huge. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling as the main stars. But then you've got a universe of other Barbies and Kens. For example, Harry Neff, Shuti Gatwa, Issa Rae is in there. And I know that she's spoken in interviews about how when she was a child, her mum encouraged her to play with black dolls because she felt that she'd be able to identify with them better than your standard Barbie. Of course, Barbie hasn't been representative enough of people of colour or of different genders or backgrounds. How successful do you think the film is? in promoting the Barbie brand as being for everyone? Highly successful. I mean, it, it absolutely does that. And and you can be anything, any shape, any size, any colour, whatever, and there'll be a Barbie for you. And whether or not it does it for anybody who's not uh, female identifying, I don't know. And uh, not to give a big spoiler away, but near the end, it's proposed that there's the idea of a just a normal Barbie, just a mum who's trying to get through the day. And they sort of suggest that that would be a very big seller. What's normal Barbie? I think probably sort of size 12 to 14, kind of just a bit tired. But still like 19 years old. No, no, I think like 42. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Just, just a mum trying to get through the day. I mean, it's quite a sort of, it's quite a kind of pro-mother film. And that's actually surprisingly good and surprisingly moving. And I quite liked that. And I suspect that will go down quite well with the mothers watching the film. Do you come out of it with a clear sense, at least, that Margot Robbie's stereotypical Barbie is a feminist icon? Is is there a strong sense there that her character is, is, is playing with the kind of bad stereotypes about Barbie? Yeah, all that's done almost to death. I mean, because it becomes a little bit boring, actually the focus of the film or the sort of emotional heart of the film is very much Ken. I mean, Gosling is fantastically good and the little sly moments of self-doubt throughout it are much more endearing. And as a character, he feels much more kind of relatable and interesting and easy. And you hanker after more of him, actually. There's just mm. incredibly long scenes involving Margot Robbie soul-searching as a doll that are just quite dull. Catherine, you're killing me. I'm meant to be seeing this at least twice. So how does Ryan Gosling's Ken come out in this film? I know there's been a lot of talk about him discovering the patriarchy. I mean, so Gosling, when they get to the real world, his Ken realises and is terribly excited about the idea that actually the world is run for uh, and by men. And all that is by far the most successful part of the film because it's very pure and clean and you understand the joke. 
I just don't know who I am without you. You're Ken. But it's Barbie and Ken. There is no just Ken. Doesn't seem to matter. I mean, there's this song, I'm Just Ken. I'm always number two. It's brilliant. No one knows how hard I tried. And it's, it is, I'm afraid, much more compelling than the Barbie arc. I'll see you on the Malibu beach! I mean, people have been sort of jokingly saying, give him an Oscar nomination. Genuinely, that's a realistic, particularly given that so many films are now going to be, going to have their releases pushed back to next year because of the of the actors' strike, because they can't promote them. I think he's actually got really, really good shot at it. First, though, we go to the tens of thousands of Hollywood actors who are on strike. It is the industry's biggest shutdown for more than 60 years, and it affects the vast majority of American film and television productions. The Screen Actors Guild Union wants studios and streaming giants to give performers what they say is a fairer share of profits. It's interesting what you're saying about the actors' strike because this must be one of the last big blockbusters that they've really been able to see through to the end of the promotional period. Yeah, I mean, so you've had Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, Barbie and Oppenheimer. And Barbie and Oppenheimer particularly have obviously just come out, you know, just in the nick of time for them to have finished promotion. That sort of felicitous and also slightly fishy because there was this two or three week extension of talks. The Barbie movie is part of a wider trend of films about toys. Transformers was obviously turned into a a multi-billion dollar franchise and I know that Mattel are planning to make films about Polly Pocket, He-Man and others. Why is that happening so much now? It's pure and simple brand identification. You know, cinema is in a very bad place. Movies don't make much money now. I mean, Barbie will probably be the best performing movie of the year because pre-sales are so extraordinary. I mean, the film industry is, is dominated by algorithms. It's not how can we create something new. It's how can we churn out a product that will drive these subscriptions to our business. I mean, a Polly Pocket movie, That's the, there's no chance that they're going to get Diablo Cody to, to script that, I don't think. One weird one is this Hot Wheels movie that J.J. Abrams is sort of behind, and he says it's going to be emotional and grounded and gritty. And people are sort of thinking... How the hell? <laughs> How? Why? You don't need to. I mean, my son would not enjoy an emotional, grounded and gritty Hot Wheels movie. You just want cars going down slopes very quickly. The other blockbuster film coming out today is Oppenheimer, which is about a tortured physicist who developed the nuclear bomb. Four, three. Truman needs to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. You couldn't get, in terms of subject matter, style or colour palette, (laughs) two more different movies. But cinemas are doing double screenings of them, aren't they? My suggestion would be Barbie first, Oppenheimer for lunch, and then then a Barbie chaser. I think think the world maybe wants to see Barbie a little bit more right now. I'm just saying. Which film is going to win? It's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant for cinemas and and it's brilliant for both films because it's propelling sales for both. I mean, Barbie will undoubtedly win at the box office. It's it's tracking to make about 100 million on the opening weekend, whereas Oppenheimer is tracking about half that. However, 
people may find that though they were perhaps looking forward to Barbie a little more, they might find that when they come out of the double bill, it's Oppenheimer that felt less of a drag, even though it's three hours long. Whereas Barbie, at nearly two hours, is quite draggy. It's quite baggy. And comedies need to be tight and snappy. And that's not what I was expecting at all. And Oppenheimer, I was slightly, you know, gritting my teeth for. However, Oppenheimer is very good. Flawed, but very good. And Barbie is not as good as it should be. How many stars are you giving to each of them? Oh, that's so difficult. But um, if I had to, I would say Oppenheimer's a four and Barbie's a three. Saggy and baggy. (laughs) (laughs) Just Barbie. (laughs) Catherine, thank you so much. (laughs) Pleasure. Thank you. That was Catherine Shord. You can read her work and all the reviews of this week's films at theguardian.com. Thank you also to Christian Volsing and the team at the Young V&A. The refit that they've completed this month is really cool. There's lots there for children and for adults and it's free to visit. So do go along if you can. I'm Hannah Moore and this episode was produced by Tom Glasser with production support by Kunal Patel. Sound design was by Solomon King and the executive producers were Hummer Khalili and Phil Maynard. I hope you have a lovely weekend. We'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.